0: Quite whiny to me, like they're they're
1: distressed. It's quite an obnoxious. Fox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just sort of quite rowdy, yeah. isn't it? It sounds like a bunch of but grumpy. Yeah, really upset. Wow. Yeah, displeased. Yeah. It's a bit sheepy. A little bit, a little bit. Anyway, I'm not giving you clues. Don't read into that.
0: It's got some background noise of that makes me feel. Like it's tropically foresty sort of setting. It feels like there's a lot of background bug noise. Now, I know that we have I like that. a paper about certain species,
1: but yes. I'm going to warn you that's not that. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't feel. Not doing it that does, again. We're one all. I'm not handing you any on a platter yeah, anymore.
0: It doesn't feel like that because this feels like a really large breeding aggregation of frogs. sounds like chaos
1: that's a very astute observation
0: so i'm wondering if maybe it's one of these mud dwelling frogs a sort of maybe a (laughs) you know living in the mud then when the rains come it appears living in the mud and uh
1: oh i see yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i know what you're saying
0: but also i feel i feel like the forestiness is there oh
1: gosh yeah, those things aren't foresty, are they? Those things live on Yeah, like that's
0: like your desert desert areas creatures. Your your rain out. frogs and things. Yeah. So I'm thinking this is going to be some <sighs> Do you
1: want a little clue? Can I yes, I'd I'd love a little clue. The clue is herbs and spices.
0: Herbs and spices.
1: That oh, it's just throw you completely it's off. It's
0: some sort of Kentucky frog. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> Tom 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 put his head in his hands. (laughs) That's where my mind goes with herbs and spices. I'm
1: going. It's some sort of Kentucky marsh frog. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, that's wrong, because I don't think there is a Kentucky Marsh frog. No, but, but it's a good you name. I did make a couple of good observations. You noticed the jungle yes. is in the background, and you also drew attention to the fact that we're talking about a frog in this episode. And this frog, the reason I chose it is because its range overlaps with oh, the we are talking about right. later. So they're from the same sort of like Central American yep. forest, so this one has a much broader distribution. So that call was the call of the pepper tree frog, which is... Oh, and there's your herbs Tophonius. and spices,
0: although peppers... Uh, we were referring to like capsaicin peppers but you were thinking like salt and pepper pepper for herbs and spices i was thinking
1: of salt and pepper pepper are they named yeah. after that type of pepper? It.
0: yes oh okay are they yes, speckly they are. or nice something nice try
1: though. You tried to weasel your way out of it didn't you but you can't because yeah. i already i know which type of pepper it is and it is that type of pepper this is a big frog over 10 centimeters long big whopper That's sort of Pretty plain coloured, yellowy tan, reddish brown or maybe pale grey. And the ventral surface, so the tummy, is lighter. So it's sort of light brown and or Beautiful campus. And shading. as you said, Ben, you clocked the fact that that was an explosive breeding aggregation. Excellent. So those were advertisement calls of males sitting in a pool. Several hundred of them, females. it sounded like. Yeah, big squad. And um, presumably it had been raining, so they all decided to rush to the pool. And the reason they're called the pepper frog, the pepper tree frog, and they're particularly known as this in Belize, And it's because this frog produces this sticky, insoluble, so you can't wash it off, uh, noxious secretion that causes severe reactions ranging from irritation, swelling and pain to even temporary blindness if you get it in your eye or in a mucous membrane. And the reason they call it the pepper tree frog is because it is also thought to cause sneezing. Ah! Like pepper. Yeah. But the reason they have this horrible mucus is because it deters predators. So there was a documented case where one of these pepper tree frogs was being attacked by a snake and it decided to start squirting out all its mucus and their snake ended up so covered in mucus it couldn't close its mouth or see so it ended up letting go and you know i wonder what became of that snake presumably it just wiped it off because you know they're not snakes can work out to wipe things off their face if it's sticky but it certainly saved that individual frog's life these sticky secretions so yeah That's where they're called the pepper tree frog. And um, they've got some other cool skills. They can parachute from trees. So in the event of a crisis, they'll jump out of a tree. Obviously, back in the 1920s, people were still slinging things out of trees to see if they could fly. And one of them glided for 27 meters after it was dropped from a height of 43 meters. So it moved 27 meters laterally after being dropped from a tree. So that's a gliding. Okay,
0: so it's. Doing half the distance that way as it does downwards. Down, yeah. Yeah, that's a bit shy of flying, isn't it? That's gliding, but it's it's not quite flying at that point, is it?
1: (laughs) No, they're too sticky to fly. (laughs) The tadpoles, though tadpoles are quite unusual because they have very large gills and they're thought that they live in... Obviously, you know, they're living in Central America. It's really warm. So, well, they found down as as far south as Argentina, actually, but they're generally sort of a tropical frog and the water's warm, probably low oxygen. So the tadpoles have very large gills Mm. to sort of suck up that. I imagine they're external gills. I couldn't find a picture, but I imagine they are because tadpoles usually have external gills. So it will be like the sort of like fan-like Yeah, it's frilly, yeah. And as I mentioned... This species is found in South and Central America and being native to Central America is a trait it shares with another frog species, which we're going to talk about in our paper. So, um, yeah, this one's by Taboada, Delia, Chen, Ma, Peng, Zhu, Zhang, Zhu, Yao, O'Connell and Johnson. I think you missed Vu in there as well. Oh, Vu. Yes, and Vu, glass frogs conceal blood in their liver to maintain transparency. Published in Science of All Places. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> the OG. Science. That's a big deal. Good stuff. Wow. Yeah. So we're talking about glass frogs. It's just not as big as the mucusy friends that we've been discussing, the pepper tree frog. Much, much smaller little beastie. They are, you know, maybe... 1.9 to 3 centimetres long. So what's that? Thumb-sized. Sort of thumb-sized? Yes,
0: depending on the size you your thumb. thumb.
1: Yeah, if you've got big thumbs, they're not as big, but <laughs> if you've got normal thumbs, about the same. <laughs> and they're found in the tropical Americas, as we said, same as the old uh, pepper tree frog from southern Mexico to Ecuador. And they're famous, aren't they, glass frogs? I think they're quite... Iconic. I, know, I feel like... Yeah, they're iconic, but they're actually still relatively unknown. Like, I feel like you have to be a bit of a frog aficionado to know. Yes,
0: the word you are looking for is yeah. They 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 sort of they're attention grabbing, (laughs) right? But maybe underappreciated. And if more people knew about them, they'd be even more appreciated because they're just stellar little creatures.
1: Mm, That was the word I was looking for. So they're transparent. (laughs) (laughs) so uh, yeah they're transparent that's what's cool about them they're called glass frogs because they're transparent and it is actually wild when you see how see-through they actually are and that's why they're called glass frogs Uh, not because they're sort of delicate or shallow but because they are in fact
0: transparent it's interesting you brought up the delicate thing because I have a I don't know what the right word is for it (laughs) (laughs) rumour I guess when Aubrey visited I think it was Costa Rica she was told that these glass frogs were incredibly delicate and that if they were hit with a single drop of rainwater, like a raindrop, it would kill them. Whoa. Now... Really? We're not entirely sure how true that is. (laughs) Because while it came from a reputable source, they might have been just having a
1: laugh. And it has Mm, remained a mystery ever since. So Aubrey, your significant other wasn't tempted to test this out by dropping some water on them or prodding them did she see so? i don't know
0: i don't know but i don't think no. that it's the sort of thing you'd want to risk would you you wouldn't want to flick a <laughs> flick a drop of water at a glass frog and then it gets
1: obliterated no, by it no no that's true and aubrey's kind she's a friend right. of animals she wouldn't have wanted to do that yeah yeah wow that's mad so maybe they. Well, i was wondering
0: that. if anybody has had firsthand experience with glass frogs listening here now that could could provide some additional information onto their robustness in the face of heavy rainfall.
1: (laughs) Ben's broken the fourth wall to ask whether or not glass frogs are that delicate. I'm sure there's a listener who's had experience with a glass frog. Tell us. (laughs) Very good. Very good. So, yeah, talking about transparent frogs and transparency is something which is quite common in aquatic environments, but it's rare to see in land dwelling animals. Transparency is where light goes through you basically so normally when light hits something it scatters and is also absorbed and this means that we can see things you know light reflecting off things means you can see it because it reflects off the thing back to your eyeball and then you can see it it
0: at the risk of derailing this and asking another impossible question
1: oh god
0: you said it was more common in aquatic environments do we know why
1: Yes. Excellent. I do know why, actually. It's because will you share it with the class? I will. So you've got a few examples of animals which are transparent. I have got notes about. One of which is the Antarctic ice fish. Another one is juvenile eels, larval eels. And the reason they can be transparent is because they don't have hemoglobin transporting their right. red blood. They don't have red blood cells. Which is red. Transporting oxygen transparent. around their bodies. Exactly. So they get away with it by having a very thin skin and also living in high oxygen environments, cold water, because cold water holds more oxygen than warm water. Oh. And so they get away with it just basically by having really thin skin and relying on oxygen being transferred directly through their skin into their cells gotcha. rather than using red blood cells. for treatment. Yeah,
0: so they're not reliant on that like active moving of oxygen to where they need it. Gotcha,
1: gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Exactly. And so what that means is they can afford to be see-through. And actually, some juvenile eels are exceptionally see-through. And so, too, is the Antarctic ice fish and other animals in the ice fish family. So, yeah, oxygen simply diffuses into their circulating blood plasma from the frigid seawater. But obviously, glass frogs don't have that luxury. They live on land, so they're going to need a way to transport the oxygen around their bodies. Well, before we get into that too much, I think it's worth mentioning the sort of life strategies of glass frogs. So yes,
0: when they're dodging between raindrops.
1: When they're dodging the yeah. raindrops. Yeah, they're nocturnal. And so they're active at night. They go and hunt and stuff at night. But during the day, they hide out. And what they do is they kind of stick themselves onto the underside of leaves and... Just wait and hope that they're not seen by predators. But what's amazing about them is that their muscle and skin lets through about 95% of light. And their skin and muscle is like completely unpigmented. So light can just pass through. But crucially, unlike the larval eels and the ice fish, they do use hemoglobin in their blood for oxygen transport. And obviously, that cannot, by its very nature, be transparent. It's red. It's red. So the authors of this paper were like, well, how are they doing that? How is it that they can have the luxury of using hemoglobin to transport oxygen around their bodies, but also be transparent? And in order to work this out, they used some clever color photography methods. And they were taking pictures of frogs and measuring their transparency repeatedly while they were asleep, awake, calling after they'd been exercised. And while they were under anesthesia... But what it really boils down to is they were either asleep or not asleep. And when they're asleep, which is the period during which they're sort of hiding out underneath leaves. Yeah, but
0: they're most vulnerable, they let, right? Like that's Therefore, camouflage is really, really important during this time because you can't suddenly wake up and get out of there. It'll be too late. You know, you're a sitting duck. You're
1: yeah, a sleeping frog. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that should actually replace sitting duck. But yeah, when they're asleep, they're letting way more light through when they're awake, which, like you say, makes sense because they're... Hiding under leaves, and you don't need to also, you don't really need to be transparent at night because there's not as much light. But yeah, when they're doing the leaf sleeping, they're transparent. And it turns out the reason they can do this, the way they manage it, is that during the daytime, when they're being transparent, they actually send like 97% of their red blood cells into their liver. And yeah. the liver is enclosed within, and other organs as well, which disguises them. But they're contained within these special sacs. And these sacs contain very reflective guanine crystals. Guanine is this, like, crystallized, I don't know what you'd call it. It's, like, crystal structured. Uh, it's not a compound, is it? Is it I a protein? is it's an in, Or is it an amino acid? Yes. It's
0: organic, Is it right? an
1: amino acid? It's organic, for sure, Yeah. A chemical compound it is a type of purine. Oh, good. One of the four main... Oh, it's G. Oh, my oh it's wow, G. Between the two of us, between the two of us, we should have...
0: Well, we threw thing. a lot but of yeah. words out. One of them would have been correct.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the four main nucleobases found in DNA and RNA. It is the G. So, yeah, it's a very, very fundamental nucleobase. What are the others? So, or, cytosine? Oh, I've just seen the other two. Adenine and t- thymine. Excellent. (laughs) There you go. Wow. Thank God we're not in a biology GCSE right now. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, basically what that means is these guanine crystals, they produce a mirroring effect around the organs. So light just kind of bounces straight back off. And that means they can hide all this red blood in their liver behind these special sacs. And it allows them to either be transparent or like reflective. So you can't see them in the daytime. That
0: liver's not just, all right, shove all the red blood cells in the liver. It increases in size by 40% as well. Like, it's such a dramatic shift from, there we go, frog, you know, going every day, doing its thing, every night, doing its thing. And yeah, what do you say? 90% of its red blood cells and a 40% increase in its liver and its liver sort of backed up by this reflective coating. It's insane. It's like such a dramatic shift. Imagine going through that sort of... Shift. You'd go super, super pale, and you'd lose all, all ninety percent of blood circulation in all, all limbs. You'd have awful pins and needles upon waking up, oh. as all your blood returns to all your, yeah, extremities. Although oh. sometimes pins Imagine and needles is like a trap nerve you. thing too.
1: So maybe that's. But it would be. A, yeah, I think pins and needles is like what on earth does that feel like? Excitation. Yeah, very horrible, I would imagine. And obviously as well, like you mentioned, all the blood is in the liver, more Mm -hmm. or less. And so they've just got, you know, the bare amounts that they need to just like basically stay alive. Imagine how sluggish they are when they wake up. Like they must just be completely and utterly useless. And it obviously takes a few seconds to get the love, the, the blood, the love, the blood back around their bodies. So yeah, they must rely really, really heavily on this camouflage, because if they are discovered, they probably can't do a lot else other than sit completely stock still.
0: It's such a dramatic, or it sounds like such a dramatic, outrageous shift. It's the only sort of thing, you'd you'd never be able to do this in a warm-blooded creature to the same extent, because the metabolic... What mammal could get away with a 10% amount of blood circulating red blood cells without aspects of it dying off like it's just so yeah it seems crazy the percentages i cannot get over the idea of 90 percent of your sort of most important aspect of the blood just being like yeah no don't worry i'll just chill out in the liver all night or all day
1: yeah it's mad it is really mental but you know i guess that's that is the cost of transparency yeah It really is wild. And uh, they raise some interesting points in the paper about human health. Because they're shoving all their blood into the liver, it should clot. If you have that much blood close together, it should just clot up. But it doesn't. And they're not sure how they manage to avoid the blood clotting. They need to work out why. But that's kind of this next step in this research is to work out how they avoid blood clotting. And if they can work that out, that is something which actually could have quite important outcomes for human health. Because lots of human conditions uh, relate to blood clotting clotting there are diseases to do with blood clotting there's also you know a lot of people die from blood clots in their bodies particularly
0: blood is damn (laughs) important isn't it (laughs) yeah we need it literal lifeblood so the better understanding you've got it the better i did love the point that came alongside their sort of okay maybe this has some sort of future applications for for human health stuff is that because the glass frogs are transparent you have a way of studying internal sort of shifts in blood and, what did they call it, hemodynamic processes without restraining or any sort of intrusive operations on the animal because you can just see what's going on inside them. So you can have this really low-impact, gentle way of studying different processes inside a a model vertebrate you could use them as, which I really liked because it means you're not chopping up frogs.
1: hmm Yeah. And when you look at the um, images of these frogs, you can see them from underneath in one of the uh, images in the paper. And you can see it's almost this like really quite see-through looking frog. And then you can see this sort of like white bundle in the center of its underside where you can just literally see the organs encased in these little uh, white sheaths, which obviously produce the mirrored effect. It really is cool.
0: And when they wake up or when they're exercised, you can see the blood vessels, or at least the major ones.
1: So it's, it's Yeah, you can see it all, can't you? It's remarkable. And during the day, during the day when they're on the leaves, really, you can barely see them. And certainly from the other side, from like the top of the leaf, you can really hardly see them. You can just see two Ghosts. tiny little dark patches. Yeah, like you can see two tiny little dark patches where the eyes are and then a little dark patch where the guts are. But really... Yeah, you wouldn't know the frog itself was there. No, it's like a bit it of blem-
0: looks- you know, a blemish on a leaf or something. It's it's not a frog yeah. shape. It's remarkable how well they destroy that silhouette, which is a very distinct silhouette. When a he- sleeping frog is quite
1: obvious. I like how they have a picture of um, a so-called sister taxa, which isn't see-through on a leaf, just to show you. What a stupid frog huh? looks like. <laughs> Opaque sister taxa. Yeah. Yes, I
0: enjoy that too. Yeah. They did do Opa- some comparisons. Yeah. That was also nice. Is they did some comparisons with like liver mass and sort of the shifts. I think it was just liver mass, wasn't it, they were looking at? But the point is that the circulating red blood cell decrease does appear to be specific to glass frogs. It's not something that's just happening in a whole bunch of frogs that are closely related, so it is basically there's a very high chance that it's connected to this transparency benefit as opposed to just being something that frogs do when they sleep because mm. these other sister species had reductions of like 12 percent in their red blood cell counts whereas your glass frog has your like 90 percent decrease so really big difference really seems tied to the yeah. transparency aspect
1: mm-hmm. yep they've evolved this strategy haven't they they
0: did have that fun thing about the European frogs having the ability to regulate red blood cell things. So it is something that's seen in other frogs, but they use it to get around cold weather instead of a transparency thing. So yeah. it's there's all these like neat connections that frogs have maybe a, a greater propensity to regulate red blood cell uh, counts, but it's sort of used in different ways. It's,
1: it's intriguing. It's intriguing that yeah. it sort of appeared for different arises, purposes. If an evolutionary yeah if their survival poses a reason to regulate where their red blood cells are via the liver they seem capable of right ad- evolving these adaptive reasons to store the blood away which is really the options cool. are there yeah i wonder how many other cases there will be in now that this is sort of more more understood but yeah i think that pretty much ties off our um glass frog discussion have you got any other business i've got a couple of bits i uh, know i don't so to fire away Okay, so first up, we had an email from Emily O'Brien. Remember, we were talking about alligator tails, having regrown. Oh, yeah. We talked about it a few times now. <laughs> well, it's because they're so. We were no, talking no, about the was it alligators? Which- it was on crocodiles. Yeah. No. It was no gators? No, it was alligators. Okay. Yes. It was alligators. And um, yeah, anyway, what Emily said. Uh, Your discussion of regrown tails and crocodilians reminded me of a story about an alligator named Mr. Stubbs that had lost its tail and got some press because his keepers created a customised 3D printed prosthetic tail for him. Supposedly even a totally inert plastic tail was helpful for swimming and even walking. It affected the alligator's overall centre of mass and buoyancy Mm. and would still swing side to side and propel the animal in the water just due to its shape and the rest of the body movement. And the tail dragging on the ground even improved his gait on land. Interesting. So if a plastic tail is beneficial Official enough to an animal in human care to be worth the trouble. I can easily imagine that a regrown one is yeah. too, even if it's missing many structures of the original, which is cool. So, yeah, uh, nice example, Mister Stubbs, which oh, I like, Mister Stubbs.
0: Yeah, it does a great job of sort of backing up the fact that even if your regrown tail is, you know, lacking nerves and most of the ability to move, it's still providing a benefit.
1: That's really neat to know. Yeah, yeah. So, thanks, Emily. The only other thing I wanted to mention, Ben, was I saw there was a very funny news article back in January. (laughs) So the title is Gran, 79, who can't see for Toffee, picks up Giant Snake after mistaking it for (laughs) Twig. This is such bad journalism. It's literally the. Can't see for Toffee? Yeah, so so this this lady who's in Truro in Cornwall, they used to live near there. Really nice place, filled with sticks. So yeah, sticks are very common. Yeah. So this lady was in her garden, and it's an escaped corn snake, right? Notice the title of the article is "Picks Up Giant Snake After Mistaking It for Twig." It's a giant corn snake. Cool, a corn. Yeah. So it's like. (laughs) the girl of 11 mistook the albino snake in her garden telling her family she thought it was a twig due to her bad eyesight she basically picked it up and just slung it into the hedges and then uh, after she'd done that she was like oh gosh that wasn't a twig and as it turns out it was a little corn snake and it was a white one it's a really pretty snake and actually the people were really nice they said it was so cute we didn't know what snake it was at that point so they liked the snake which is nice yeah, they used a gripper to pick it up and they well, those, put it those in a box of dinosaur
0: grippers, right? The kids have.
1: Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then they slated the RSPCA in the article. They're like, they didn't even pick up the phone. But anyway, some reptile guy turned up to take it, which is a happy ending. Good. Yeah, probably better than the RSPCA taking it because uh, it tends to go one way. Never mind. But yeah, I just thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> this lady found the snake in her garden oh, yeah. and slung it into the head. No twig. I mean, you, Off you go. I just wouldn't expect, yeah. But just the fact that they refer to it as a giant snake, in my opinion, is completely. Well, how big was it though? Well, it's a corn snake. What if it was a mutant they say, corn for snake? For some reason, they use f- they say two point five foot, which is like not oh even two point five feet. It's you can't do
0: point five of a foot, can you? It's. Just...
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean this. You can't is decimalize just imperial diet. measurements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Anyway, pretty funny. I had to mention it because uh, it tickled me.
0: I'm just glad if the corn snake's all right. It, I'd,
1: I'd recommend you don't. Yeah, the corn snake's fine. It's got a nice new Excellent. Home. I'll put a link in the show notes, but don't read it. <laughs> so, yeah. I think... I don't know if we've got anything else for this episode. No, I think that's good. I think... Uh, Talk yeah. about
0: beautiful, transparent frogs. And,
1: yeah. Yeah, they were cool, weren't they? So, um, yeah, I think basically all that remains to be said is if you want to get in touch with us on social media you can we're on facebook twitter instagram if you want to email us herphighlights at gmail.com and yeah i think that's it so thank you for listening thanks for listening